So I am back, everyone. I am going to get on here and go over some of my notes from studying the gifts of the Spirit. Um, I know the last time I did this Bible study um, recording, I did parts one and parts two, but this is actually the third part. And really, I'm sure I'll have more as I go more in depth with each one of these. But for now... I wanted to finish this up and share because this is really, really good stuff. You know, I feel like I read about the gifts of the Spirit and I read about how important they are, how integral they are to our own spiritual growth and health and well-being, our connection with God. And, you know, the key is to having these in operation in our life and even in our services, when we go to the house of worship and we come together um, for corporate gatherings, you know, we must have the right desires and motives and we must be prayed up. We must be fasting. Is now such a good time to be fasting? There's so much chaos going on. And I don't know, I keep hearing that the closer we get to this election this year, the crazier it's going to get. So I say now is a perfect time to be getting prayed up and to be doing all kinds of fasting so that we can properly and sincerely desire these spiritual gifts manifested among us and expect them to operate. 1 Corinthians 14 says, earnestly desire the best gifts. And then again in 1 Corinthians, it says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. God has these gifts for us, but we have to ask. And we have to ask continually. This isn't something where we go to God once or twice and we ask him and then we just give up. We have to sincerely desire and covet these gifts and seek after them. Perseverance, diligence. Um, don't give up. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. That's what the Bible tells us. So we all know we have to have the right motive or reason for wanting these gifts and for wanting them active in our lives and in the body that we are a part of. And this is where it's so important to really dig in to 1 Corinthians 13, that love chapter that's in between the chapters that deal with the gifts of the Spirit. Paul says, earnestly desire the best gifts. And then he ends that phrase saying, I show you a more excellent way. You see, if the gifts of the Spirit are operating out of a heart of love for others, there's never a concern that those gifts will be abused. You see, those gifts aren't to glorify ourselves. They're absolutely to glorify God and to edify the body of Christ. He who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. He who prophesies edifies the church. How I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, 
unless he indeed interprets that the church may receive edification from the tongues. Let all things be done for edification. I know the I know the whole topic of speaking in tongues can be very controversial and it can bring up a lot of emotions and people have lots of different ideas about it. But here the Bible is telling us that this this is a gift that God gives us for our own personal edification and also as a way to edify others. We need the Holy Spirit moving in our churches, in our lives, and this only comes about through prayer and fasting. Acts 13 tells us that as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them to. So in the middle of this time of fasting and worship, the gifts of the Spirit operate and they give direction to these men who are gathered together. This is how Paul and Barnabas were sent forth, their very first missionary journey. You see, in the early days, there were continual manifestations of God's power. The operation of the gifts of the Spirit, it, it happened all the time. I think about it and we're so amazed, we're so in awe when God moves and someone gets a miraculous healing. We're so in awe when tongues come into the church and then there's an interpretation and we have this amazing message that is clearly from our Lord. And yet, the Bible, as we read it in the book of Acts and, and all the other books, God was manifesting himself very powerfully throughout all of these. And it was natural. It was expected. It wasn't that they didn't rejoice and glorify God because they did. Every time God did something miraculous, they glorified him. They pointed people to Jesus, but they also sought after God for these things. They didn't just sit around waiting for it to happen. When the church was under the under attack, and seems like it was always under attack when you read about the history of the church. I think of how there was so much persecution. It's just, it's so admirable. that It's truly a testimony to their faith. I mean, the apostles were forbidden of Jerusalem to teach in the name of Jesus. They didn't stage a strike. They didn't sit down. They didn't stop talking about Jesus. But they prayed. They prayed and they said, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word, stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done by the name of your holy servant Jesus. They knew that there was power in the name. They knew that it was by stretching out the hand to heal that signs and wonders would be done. They knew that they needed boldness. I think we need a lot of that boldness today. When we're not nearly under the amount of persecution that the early church was under. And even when you look at 
other parts of the world. There's so many who they're living out their faith and they're, they're risking their life on a daily basis for it. And yet they are bold. They are bold and they are full of faith and they just know that God is with them and they believe and they see these signs and miracles all around them. It's, it's beautiful. It's a testimony that God is working in these places. <clears throat> it's the will of God for us to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. It's also the will of God for us to live like him. And that means suffering like he did. We need to be willing. Maybe we're not suffering exactly like he did. But he tells us, Suffering and persecution will come if we are truly living our life for him. Jesus had a very special anointing for his ministry. Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. The Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound. This is a prophecy specifically about Jesus Christ. And the same anointing that allowed him to preach effectively also allowed him to minister with the gifts of the Spirit. Remember, before Jesus began his ministry, he spent 40 days in the wilderness fasting and praying being tempted of the devil and overcoming him every time by the word of God. The Bible tells us Jesus returned in all power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region at the end of that time. He was tempted again and again, and every time he resisted the devil using the word of God, and the devil had to flee. We have that authority as well. When we submit ourselves to God, we are resisting the devil, and he will flee. The Bible doesn't say he might flee or he could flee. It says he will flee. The word of God sharper than any two-edged sword. It works. Speak God's word to your devil, to your problem, and it will flee. So, okay, so I totally went off topic there. Um, but it's so important for us to realize that Jesus spent much time in prayer and even fasting, and that was what kept that powerful anointing upon his life. He rose up before the day he prayed. Sometimes he continued all night in prayer. He had a habit of prayer. And we talk about habits, and we, we all talk about bad habits. We're really good at focusing in on the bad habits that we have. I bite my nails. Um, you know, when, when I get really stressed out, you know, I, I tend to eat, uh, eat lots of ice cream. 
we have all these bad habits that we're able to speak. We recognize them. But what about our good habits? Do we have the habit of taking it to the Lord in prayer? Do we have the habit of recognizing that this situation calls for fasting and prayer? Do we see that? And then is that such a habit that we just do it? We dive in and we pray and we fast and we don't worry about the fact that we were looking forward to chicken cordon bleu for dinner or Alfredo shrimp fettuccine. We just know, we recognize, and we desire to be in fasting and prayer for whatever situation. Jesus faced the greatest struggle of his life when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed until his sweat was was great drops of blood. That's that's some intense prayer that's really talk about dedicating yourself to your prayer that you are praying so earnestly. So such perseverance, such diligence that you're sweating blood. I remember looking that up once when I was still new in the Lord to see if that was really possible. Because I'll admit it, there were plenty of times that I questioned things and I thought, that can't be right. Um, that doesn't make any sense. That's got to be something that's symbolic of something else. But I remember reading somewhere there was medical evidence that this was a real thing that could happen. And I tell you, it really... It gave me a new perspective on that portion of the scripture. But, you know, we're talking about the spiritual gifts here. We're talking about the need for the Holy Ghost, the anointing of God that is for everyone. We all need that continual anointing so that we can be an effective witness, so that we can live the life that God has for us. And this comes through our relationship with Jesus Christ. This isn't about attending a church a certain number of times a week or being parts of different ministries. It's not about religion or traditions or habits. It's simply a relationship with Jesus developed through much time in prayer and in the Word and in fasting, it's so easy because Jesus wants you to come to him. He wants you to meet with him and to talk with him of those things big and small that are on your mind that are weighing you down. He says, cast your burdens at my feet. And when we read about Mary and Martha, he tells Martha, as Mary is just simply sitting at his feet, that Mary has chosen the one good thing. I think that one good thing is for all of us today as well. And the more we make a habit of sitting at his feet, of having time in the word and in prayer and in fasting, the greater the anointing 
will be upon our life. And that's tremendous power that's available to us if we are willing. James 5 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. As we pray and fast with the right heart, with the right motive, we will have God's presence overflowing. We will have the gifts of the Spirit available to operate in our life. And God will show us, as we walk with Him, He'll show us the gifts that He has for us. He will teach us the way that we should go. He will speak as to when we are to go and operate in the gift of healing or when we are to go and operate with a word of wisdom. He will help you. He will help me to acknowledge them, to recognize them, and to develop them because these are for his glory. They're for his glory, but they're also for our benefit because these will just bring us more and more into the likeness of Christ. And the more often we seek after these and the more often we pray for opportunities to exercise these gifts that he has given us, the greater our walk with God will be, the more we will be changed like his image and the more glory to God.